0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a fifteen hundred dollars first bet offer on your first wager. Go, man! I'll do
1: You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis
2: Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, strike three has been called. The 49ers have been officially eliminated. They lose to the Cowboys 41 to 33. They will have a losing season. Nine losses now for the 49ers. So no matter what happens against Arizona or Seattle, the best that it'll finish up as far as the win-loss column is seven and nine for the 49ers this season. And uh, the way that they were eliminated, well, it was very familiar fashion they just got crushed in the turnover battle. Four giveaways for the 49ers, zero takeaways. So although the defense wasn't terrible, you know, they certainly weren't ball hawks in this game. They weren't able to force any fumbles, at least according to the officials. I thought they forced one, but the officials didn't give it to them on the replay from Javon Kinlaw on Andy Dalton. But that's besides the point because uh, Nick Mullins was again a machine for giving the ball away. And the punt return game was terrible again for the 49ers. It's been bad all season. That contributed the fourth giveaway of this game. And uh, guys, we can frame it around that. We could frame it around the offseason. The bottom line in, in my mind is that this is just not a team that's healthy or talented enough now to play through these kinds of mistakes. But the fact that they aren't healthy right now definitely fuels these kinds of mistakes. I mean, it it comes back to the quarterback. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't great in, in avoiding giveaways last season, but he certainly did it at a much more efficient rate than Nick Mullins. And the fact that we keep on repeating this every single week, I think just underscores the fact that Nick Mullins just, you know, is Nick Mullins. I mean, this is a backup quarterback who uh, shouldn't be starting these games. And when you put him out there so much behind an offensive line that also isn't great, I don't think it's a surprise that the giveaways just keep on coming. And now they finally tanked the 49ers season.
3: Yeah, we won't uh, spend a lot of time talking about Mullins because we've we've been discussing him uh, ad nauseum and and ad nauseum being the operative words here. The conversation now is going to shift to Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, whether he plays the final two Games this season. It's looking very doubtful at this point. I mean, he hasn't even returned to practice. So he and George Kittle are both still on IR. Kittle at least uh, practiced a bit last week. My sense is now that they've been eliminated altogether from the playoffs, there's really no, I don't know if you're gaining anything, certainly not with Kittle. You know exactly what you have with him. With Garoppolo, you could make the argument that he's been injured so much that he just needs time in the system, but it's behind a leaky offensive line. Brandon Ayuk is fantastic, but Garoppolo wouldn't have Debo Samuel, he wouldn't have Kittle, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. so uh, I don't know if you could really assess him at that point. So, you know, then the question, if you're not playing Garoppolo the last two games is, is he back in in 2021? And and that's going to dominate, I'm sure, the conversation over the next few months. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on that and whether you would even, let's say, Garoppolo is healthy enough to play in the finale against the Seahawks. Do you play him in that game?
1: I can look at it two ways. As a player, if I'm a player and I'm healthy, I want to go out there and play because that's what I do. But if I'm a coach and you see what happened when maybe he came back a little too early before you don't want to get him injured and have a long off season where he can't work out or he can, you know he can't do a training camp the rehab is going to be be a little bit longer and you don't want to do that so if if you look at the bigger picture why would you have him in there for these last two games yes they're divisional games but you're out of the playoffs you got two quarterbacks basically the same quarterback and you know what we got in both of them i look at the bigger picture and, you know, the first thing is you got to do something about your quarterback room. Jimmy Garoppolo sits on a huge contract. Do you try to figure out a way to free up some of his money? And I think back when they signed him, they made it a real the deal where, you know, there's no more guaranteed money or whatever it is for for this next season. So they're in the 49ers are, are in a good position with him. But still, I think he's on the books for like 24, 25 million bucks. So do you keep him around? Is he your franchise quarterback? Two out of the three years he's been injured. Do you build this team now as far as your quarterback room? from the draft. You go out there and find someone in draft. I think that's going to be the decision that John Lynch and I guess it comes down to, to Kyle Shannon and kind of what he feels if if he feels Jimmy Garoppolo's his guy. But you got to do so much quarterback room. You got to do something, you know, develop a player or bring someone in here that they can execute on the field, make plays on the football field. And, you know, the offseason is going to be a lot of a lot of tough decisions. And, you know, you, you got a defense that a lot of guys are unsigned. And you don't have very much money. So you got to make some tough decisions on the offseason.
2: Well, it's not just the quarterback. It's the whole quarterback room, as you said. And I thought today was a great illustration of that. I mean, you had two backup quarterbacks going against each other. Dallas invested $7 million in, in Andy Dalton. And, of course, Dallas not having a great year. The only reason they're still technically alive is is because the NFC East is so bad. But if you just look at today's game in a vacuum, Cowboys win this game because they had the quarterback who didn't mess things up. They had... Those zero turnovers, and they had, you know, a steady veteran presence against the solid 49ers defense there. That defense wasn't playing bad, and Andy Dalton got the job done. Had the 49ers just had that level of veteran QB play over the past several weeks, they would themselves still be in the playoff hunt. I think they probably would ultimately make the postseason because you look at so many eminently winnable games. Uh, It was this one. There was the game against Washington. There was the earlier game uh, against Philadelphia. That's just naming a few that I think the 49ers should have won under Nick Mullins. They didn't win because that quarterback room behind Garoppolo. So we're you know, before we even address the the questions of Garoppolo's durability, the room itself failed the 49ers. I get it. You can't expect to go too far when there's a backup. That's Kyle Shanahan's contention. He's like, well, backups are only meant to play three games a season. Beyond that, you know, it's a free for all. Yes, that's true. But this 49ers defense was good enough this year, even without Nick Bosa. And, you know, the playoff race was enough of a free-for-all to where the 49ers had they just gotten marginally more game managerial play from their backup quarterback. They could have survived and absorbed a longer Garoppolo absence. So to me, it's important that they upgrade the whole quarterback room. And uh, I think the easiest way to do that on paper is to draft somebody to play behind Garoppolo. I don't know if you restructure Garoppolo's deal to try to save money. That's a different discussion. But I think that your best bet, because you still have a strong roster, is to keep the guy that's a proven winner, but make sure that what's behind him has both backup capability that we didn't see this year and also some upside for further into the future.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I didn't like Shanahan's message these last few weeks of, you know, this sort of acceptance that once you go to your your backup quarterback, there's really nothing you can do. And that, that sort of explains his reluctance to to tap C.J. Beathard. This idea that, "Eh, you know, once we've gone to Mullen, there's really no difference. They're both backups. We're we're not going to get anything else. That's probably true, but, I mean, look historically at at what's happened. Now, the Patriots way back in the day had Drew Bledsoe as their quarterback. They had to go late in the season with their backup, some guy named Tom Brady. More recently, the Eagles starter Carson Wentz got hurt. They had to tap their backup, Nick Foles, and he won the Super Bowl. So the backup does make a difference. You know, you should be aspiring to bring in a backup that can win you games. This this sort of, you know, shrug your shoulders. Eh, I had to go to my backup. What are you going to expect? He's He's good for two or three games, but... He's not going to win any beyond that. I agree with you. The, the 49ers have to aspire to be better. I don't know if there's room for Garoppolo, for a veteran, and for a rookie. That would seem to be the most ideal situation. That might be too pie in the sky, i.e. too much money, but the fact that Mullins and, and Beathard didn't have a lot of experience to back up Garoppolo obviously has come into play these last few years. It was fine when this was still a rebuilding team, but this is this is a team that expects to go to the Super Bowl, so you need to have some somebody there that can pick up the slack and take you to the Super Bowl. That's what the expectation has to be. And um, obviously, that wasn't the case this year with Mullins Bether. The question now becomes, let's say that they do move on from Garoppolo. How do they do it? Are there going to be any teams that uh, would trade for him? Tanika, our producer, was asking about Bill Belichick and the Patriots. I think that would be, you know, one realistic or not far-fetched possibility. And then the other would be, okay, where does Robert Sala go? And if you got a head coach job somewhere, does Sala take with him one of the 49ers' offensive assistants? And let's say that it's Mike Lafleur. Sala's close to the Lafleur family, he's best friends with Matt Lafleur. So if Sala and Lafleur are a duo, let's just say it's Detroit, would they want to work some sort of trade where Garoppolo could come in? He knows the offense. They wouldn't have to rebuild there with a quarterback. He could come in from day one, and then maybe the, the Lions would, would trade Matthew Stafford. I mean, that doesn't seem too implausible. It's probably not going to happen, but uh, those are the kind of the scenarios that I think at least the media observers, and I wonder whether the 49ers are going to think about in the offseason.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. You bring up Coach Sala and him leaving. You know, Everyone's saying that he's going to you know, be the a head coach somewhere in the NFL, my biggest worry is not taking an offensive player or offensive coach is is taking some of these unsigned free agents on the defensive side of the ball and the 49ers have to go back out and try to rebuild that's especially that secondary. He's got that relationship with those guys. You know, he's done a really good job with the defense. I just worry if he does go away, how many of these free agents does he sign? With his new football team that's my big concern and i and i think with with, with the quarterbacks I, I still believe that you build a team in the draft and that's where you get players we've seen all these different journeyman quarterbacks come through 49er camp and it, if jimmy garoppolo stays he restructures his con- contract you got to go out in a draft and get one of these quarterbacks uh in college that's going to transfer into the nfl and and be an effective player at least i don't think that any any coach brings a player onto a squad kind of thinking you're going to be a backup player. When you come to a to an NFL football team, you have to be focused on being a starter. So when you when you become a starter, it, the play can't drop off. And there's no such thing as a I'm a backup guy in the NFL. You can't be a backup guy. I was a little bit spoiled, like I said before. I mean, I had I played with three backup quarterbacks that could have start, started for any NFL team, but that was the, the level, that was the you know the attitude that the 49ers had was that all the backup, especially quarterbacks were at the same level, not Hall of Fame level, but you can go out and you could win some football games. So that whole entire quarterback room, it really has to has to upgrade and get a lot better.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone.
2: I think that was Kyle Shanahan's hope when he took over in 2017 and he used the third round pick on CJ Bethard. I think from the very start, you know, people close to the team have recognized that was never Kyle Shanahan's plan for franchise changing quarterback. I think that he was looking toward 2018 and possibly Kirk Cousins to be his top quarterback. And then with that third round draft pick of CJ Bethard that was going to be the backup that he groomed and maybe turned into a trade asset or maybe turned into a starter further down the line but it, with that grand plan Shanahan assumed that he would have at least you know two capable quarterbacks to be able to to operate what what you just envisioned Dennis obviously it didn't work out that way CJ Bethard did not even end up you know developing or living up to that third-round draft slot. Obviously, Kirk Cousins didn't come. The 49ers lucked into Jimmy Garoppolo instead. Garoppolo's done some very good things for this football team. He turned him around in 2017, gave him a nice tailwind entering that offseason, and then he was a huge part of the Super Bowl run in 2019. But now the durability is a question, and now since... The guys behind Garoppolo, Bethard, you know, his contracts will be expiring, and Nick Mullins, who came out of nowhere from undrafted free agency, since they are really not uh, showing to be, you know, adequate backup solutions, it looks like the 49ers may have to start that 2017 cycle all over again. I personally don't think that they're going to move on from Garoppolo. I I know that the quarterback discussion is the most popular one to have amongst Twitter and and all this and all that but you know when I hear some of the you know options being tossed out there uh, I'm not so sure that they're better than Jimmy Garoppolo I mean Matt Stafford is yeah he's a big arm but he's a career sub 500 quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo has made a name for himself already with the 49ers by taking a roster Uh, that hasn't been great and winning some football games with it in 2017. And also in 2019, although the roster was really good, Jimmy Garoppolo overcame non-ideal circumstances to win a lot of games. And by that, I mean the pass protection for the 49ers is objectively not good by any metric. Their only above-average offensive lineman this season has been Trent Williams. And the fumble early against the Cowboys on Sunday, I mean, I blame Nick Mullins for not moving, but I also blame Mike McGlinchey for just getting back straight into him uh, by by Demarcus Lawrence. So I think the 49ers really do value Jimmy Garoppolo's quick release The fact that he's been efficient even... When it hasn't been all lined up for him with an offensive line that's been really sketchy over his time starting. And that's probably part of the reason why he's been hurt frequently. So I think that the 49ers would be better served. You know, they've got a ton of draft picks here. They may not have too much money, but I think that they would be best served by really investing in that offensive line. They have to invest in the secondary and the offensive line. They got nine draft picks and a few million dollars to do that. And I would like to see, if I'm the 49ers, a lot of that capital go toward the front. offense and the back end on defense
3: just one more point about quarterbacks and it, it agrees with your point is that if you did move on from jimmy garoppolo you would have to be prepared i think for that one year hitch let's call it that you saw in atlanta for example when shanahan went there and matt ryan wasn't all that great in 2015 Very ordinary, but was super in 2016. So you basically wouldn't, any quarterback that comes in, whether it's Matt Stafford, certainly if it's a, a rookie, you couldn't expect them to be lights out in the Shanahan system, I think, in year one. So that's something to think about, too, when you're deciding whether you would want to move on from Garoppolo or not. You mentioned nine draft picks. That could even go up to 10 if Sala were to be hired as a head coach. They would get a uh, third rounder at the very end of that round uh, as compensation for losing Sala. They'd actually get one in, in 21 and in 22. And um, yeah, I agree with you. I was talking to Dane Brewer, our draft expert, the other day, and he was saying that there were four positions that were particularly deep in this uh, this upcoming draft. One of them is edge rusher, which I think the 49ers could use. Another is wide receiver. I think the 49ers could use one of those, too. Another is cornerback. 49ers certainly could use a cornerback, given how many of their own guys are, are going to reach free agency in March. And the last one was offensive tackle. This is a good year for offensive tackles. I don't know if it's a good year for guards and centers. That seems to be where the 49ers issue is, but a lot of times you can move some of these guys who are borderline tackles to guard, and that could be something that the 49ers do. So if there's any silver linings going into the off seasons, is that the 49ers have built up a healthy number of draft picks. It looks like they could have one in each of the first three rounds, and uh, they don't necessarily have to go for one spot or another. They can sort of use the depth of the draft to dictate that. And and Dennis, uh, I started looking at some of these these edge rushers, and some of them were on display this this weekend uh, on Saturday, Friday, and Saturday in some of these championship games. And there are going to be a lot of them. Uh, and, and maybe that uh, that D Ford role, if Ford isn't back, and I don't think any of us expects him to be, uh, could be filled by a rookie who plays maybe, I don't know, 45% of the snaps as a rookie next year and, and gives them a little bit of pop off the edge.
1: When we know the 49ers love to invest first-round picks on defensive linemen. And, and, you know, we saw last season, you know, with Nick Bosa. And it's going to be interesting to see what kind of player Nick Bosa is when he comes back. Is he going to be still that amazing edge perimeter rusher going 100%, crawling around, getting sacks uh, if he is that player, if you can get someone on that other side, and because I don't think D. Ford's going to come back to be a 49er next season. If you can, you can build that up again, I think Eric Armstead, he showed today that he is definitely a inside an interior defensive lineman, even though he's, whatever, 6'9". He works really well on the interior defensive line. And, and Javon Kinlaw, I mean, he's, he's getting better and better. Uh, and he's played pretty much every snap. Uh, of this season he's just getting better we saw a lot of good plays so yeah I mean if there's some edge rushers but you know you're really gonna have to do your your homework I think I think you really you really need to hit I think the 49ers really need to hit especially in this year in their draft you know there's been a lot of hits but I think there's been a lot of misses too as far as the drafts go uh, with the 49ers I think it's going to be super important that that the staff they do their research they look at these guys they see if it fits into especially on defense with if you're looking at an edge rusher, if you're getting an edge rusher that can rush from the wide nine, also set set the edge on defense, uh, and really hit if you want to go out and get it. But uh, I think every position can use an upgrade on this 49ers defense, only because some of the guys they have, especially the skilled positions, it just really seems like they're not very durable. Whoever they're you know they bringing in, these guys just, they drop like flies. So it's going to be super important, I think, in the offseason, this scouting team
0: Requires high speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on direct TV terms and restrictions apply.
2: If you want to look at a small victory for the 49ers this season, it is the whole Armstead thing for most of this season. They just couldn't find a second edge rusher to complement Kerry Hyder to justify moving Armstead inside on those critical pass rushing downs. And I mean, they've had to really go to the bargain bin for that this year. They traded for Jordan Willis from the New York jets uh, obviously, Deion Jordan has been part of that mix, but the, even though he's a former very high draft pick and, and a longtime veteran, uh, I almost feel it's been a project this year to to develop him and to develop Jordan Willis under Chris Kosarek, and I do think that they've, you know, made enough progress on that front to get meaningful edge snaps and reps out of both Deion Jordan and Jordan Willis opposite Kerry Hyder and that has a very positive downstream domino effect for the 49ers that means that Eric Armstead can line up inside and rush over guards on those uh, third down passing situations we saw Armstead notch two sacks because of that today and he, he just kind of mixed it up too he was rushing out of a uh, you know straight up stance he 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 wasn't uh, down there with a, with a hand in the dirt so um, it, that was just nice to see, I think, if you're charting how this 49ers defensive line has been trying to find effectiveness even even without Nick Bosa and D. Ford this year. And it really did showcase why the 49ers paid Eric Armstead so much money because that athleticism really shines in pass rushing situations when he can go, you know, th- th- doesn't even go in a three-point stance and sprints by the guard. They ran some stunts and all that too. But it, it just really, Matt, showed me Maybe just a 2020 culmination of Chris Kosarek's vision for this defensive line. And let's be very clear, um, this defensive line is not the reason the 49ers are not going to the playoffs this season. I think that uh, we talked about the, the, the goal at the start of the season. Chris Kosarek was going to have to play money ball with the defensive line. He was going to have to find value, mix and match guys without Bosa and without Ford. I think that he, more than enough, did his job. He carried his weight. This is a top-10 defense. A defensive line gets effective pressure now. They didn't early in the year. He's done a good job. Um, the, the the problems have happened elsewhere, especially on the offensive side of the football.
3: Yeah, no, uh, if you're talking about guys who are coming out of this, this season looking good, uh, Chris Kosarek and, and Robert Sala are probably two of the first that you mentioned. Um, in in this last game, I thought uh, Eric Armstead, uh, call him the Triple A's. Armstead looked good. Uh, Akello, uh, he hadn't played since that Miami fiasco <laughs> way way back when. I think that was Week Five. He looked really sharp uh, today. And then Ayuk was the is the third A. Um, he's he's looked really good these last few weeks. But um, going back to the defensive line. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, one of the silver linings is that a lot of these backup guys got a lot of snaps this year. So, um, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, what, what can the 49ers assess from Jimmy Garoppolo this season? And, and the answer is probably very little. Um, they can assess quite a bit from their defensive linemen. I think they know which guys to bring back and which uh, to allow to, to go on in free agency. But I think that that, that backup line, it's going to have Kevin Gibbons on it. Um, I think it's going to have Jordan Willis as one of the defensive ends. It probably is going to have Contavious Street. Um, I'm, I'm not quite as confident about him. Really, the, the this this is a, a big group on this team. Uh, a lot of players, a lot invested in them. And really, there's only two spots, I think, that – are question marks for next year, and that's nose tackle because DJ Jones is going to be a free agent. And then what I was just talking about, that um, what they call the, uh, the the turbo pass rusher, the guy who comes in on uh, obvious passing downs, plays opposite Nick Bosa, um, and what you want is a, a speed guy, uh, a guy who leaps off the line of scrimmage. We've seen the 49ers show their card. Uh, a few times over the years, and what they like, they drafted Pita Talmoa Penu in the sixth round. Uh, you know, not a not a high investment, but he was a uh, you know burst off the snap guy. They traded for Ford uh, last year. Obviously, that's what his forte is, and they also uh, traded for Willis, and, and Willis has that uh, ability off the edge as well. So that's what they're going to be looking for. And like I said, I think this this draft, and there's going to be plenty of time to, to talk about this in the future, but I think this draft is teeming with that type of guy. So uh, I, I think that lines up very well with, uh, with the 49ers' needs this year. I'm not saying that defensive line isn't a big need, but I think the 49ers will be able to take care of it. And that's probably a, a, a good thing going into next season.
1: You know, also with, you know, the salary cap, kind of going down for the 49ers I mean it's going to be interesting to see just how they come up with some money to uh you know if they're going to sign some uh, especially in in the secondary sign some of these free agents and then also go out and get a high pick as, as far as a a pass rusher goes so I think that's another question that John Lynch kind of has to answer I mean how you come up with the money with with the salary cap and then also, you need to sign so many of your defensive players. So that's going to be an- another thing on the offseason that he gets to figure out. But that's why he makes the big bucks. He's going to make those hard decisions.
2: Yeah, and we're going to have to wait to see what the salary cap exactly is, if it's $185 million, $190 million. If it's less than that, we have to – I mean, there's going to be rollover money for the 49ers depending on incentives not met or met. You know, it's, it's going to come down to every – single million or even less than that, I think, for the 49ers to to see what exactly they can do, because they're going to be right up against the margin. It's tough because you don't know exactly where those numbers will be at this point, which is why a lot of this is speculation. I do think that we'll see a few restructures. We already have seen some restructures uh, in this cycle. That, by the way, doesn't necessarily mean that players will be taking pay cuts. Players, generally, if this is the, you know restructures done in the the standard Carmen policy 49ers form Dennis you were on those teams in the mid 90s when you know they they took a bunch of guys in and added the the guaranteed money to the deal and uh, the guys wanted to restructure they weren't taking less money they're actually getting more guaranteed money up front and the team was pushing costs back to the future that might be something that the 49ers really want to take a heavy look at because they would have to gamble on the cap increasing in future years getting back up. To normal, healthy levels. Obviously, anything in this world, economic, financial climate, is going to be a gamble. If you're, especially if you're betting on it to increase, but uh, to make themselves as competitive as possible in 2021, that might be something that the 49ers are willing to do. All I know for sure about their strategy so far, because I just like to read the tea leaves and see what they're doing, is that they're, you know, and this is no surprise. This is not rocket science. They have put a huge target on the 2021 draft. They are absolutely zeroing in on that draft. Every single move that they made this season seems to have had that in mind. I mean, even Jordan Willis, when they traded with the Jets for him, they made sure there was a pick swap involved there to net themselves an extra pick in this 2021 draft. It's the seventh rounder, so nothing to really write home about, but it's still a draft pick, and that means the 49ers now have nine of them, Matt, in this cycle. So with nine 2021 draft picks, that's the cost-controlled way to do things. The price tag of that entire draft is going to be less than $10 million for a team that's up against the cap, that's the way that you move forward. Everybody's going to be talking about big-name quarterbacks, big-name free agents. They always do, but the 49ers' success moving forward will be won or lost through the draft, and this 2021 draft is a pivotal one in in the larger franchise history.
3: I'm going to add one more position to the the draft to-do list. That's uh, punt returner. 49ers were hurt again at that position. Uh, I was looking up the numbers during the game, and they've just been middle of the road in, in punt returns for a long time. They haven't had a punt return for a touchdown since Ted Ginn in the uh, season opener in 2011. Remember, he had a a punt return for a touchdown and a kickoff return for a touchdown in, in Jim Harbaugh's first game. They pulled that win out somehow. But uh, they and the Buccaneers are the only teams in the NFL that haven't had a punt return touchdown since then. And they might be able to kill two birds with one stone. I think they need a uh, good slot receiver, too, or at least uh, more depth, that receiver. And like I said, Dane Brewer was saying that receiver is very deep again this year. So maybe they can get somebody who does both. But um, Richie James isn't the answer. Trent Taylor isn't the answer. I don't think you want... Brandon Ayuk back there more than the occasional punt return, which is what the 49ers have been doing recently. But I would add that to the stack of position needs uh, heading into to the off season.
1: Second week in a row, the 49ers just look awful on, on special teams. And usually that's kind of their strong point, is, the special teams. But, you know, last week and today, you, know, you just see a, a, a breakdown in the special teams. And I didn't even see, I, I got so frustrated. I was in studio. I got so frustrated. I left after when that, when the attempt on the uh, the onside kick, and I came back into the studio and saw the Cowboys had scored a touchdown. I didn't even see that play, but obviously it was a breakdown with the with with the uh, onside kick. So, you know, uh, on the special teams, it's just it's 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 tough to watch. I mean, you you, you don't even get excited about a punt. You're happy that the defense has, has won a series and are getting off the off the football field but a punt it doesn't excite and it doesn't excite me anymore because it's either going to be down or you're going to see no exciting runs there's no chance to flip the field or anything and I and I know IUK is the you know future superstar but I remember when John Taylor was returning punts and every time he, he returned a punt you know you didn't know if he was going to break one he was close to breaking one almost every time so I mean if you if you've got that talent uh, someone who can return punts and, and has that experience and someone like uh, IUK, I think, let them let him get back there and let's bring some excitement back to the, the punt return game, at least.
2: The punt return game this year has been so inefficient for the 49ers. Football outsiders actually tracks the expected points that they gain or lose based on You know, just the inefficiencies or the efficiencies if they have good returns. There have been teams in NFL history like the Bears back when they had Devin Hester that would gain like two full touchdowns, like 14 full points over the course of a season just through punt returns, which is obviously huge. I mean, that's nearly a point a game, and you have to remember that those points are never – Interspersed, you know evenly divided out amongst all the games that are going to come in clumps so that's worth two three maybe even four wins you know if you play a lot of close games where the 49ers this year because of the punt returning mess have lost nearly a touchdown of points over the course of the season I think it clearly cost them against New Orleans today they probably win that game without that fumble at the start I think Dallas wasn't a good team I think it goes in a whole other direction if Richie James doesn't fumble so you guys are spot on. You got to take care of that that punt returning mess. Anyway, we're going to have a lot of time over this offseason to get into the minutia, the details here of what the 49ers have to do. But I think that was the gist of it. I think that, you know, at least, as far as setting up an offseason discussion, the Dallas game was good for that because it really exposed a lot of the weaknesses that the 49ers are going to have to attack here over the coming months. So keep on tuning in. The season's not over yet, too, so make sure that you tune in after the Arizona game next Saturday here on the Here's the Catch podcast. I believe that was episode number 101. So for Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you guys next time.